0: So now we come on to uh, scripture. Uh, We have been learning about Ephesians and uh, how to conduct ourselves in various ways and Richard has just brought the final aspect of the armor of God which we're going to look at now. Uh, And uh, I'll read from Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 to 24 and this for those here is on page 1177 in the Bibles within the church. So, this is entitled The Armour of God. I'll read this as I say, and then I'll hand over to Liam from Ashford to help us to understand it deeper. And the Lord's Word says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And now I hand over to our brother in Christ, Liam, who will... Help us learn more about what the Lord is telling us.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, Hopefully you can all hear me uh, okay uh, there in the church. If you can hear me, uh, just give me a wave just so that I know. Fantastic. That's excellent, excellent. Uh, Yes, please do keep that passage uh, in Ephesians open. Uh, If you don't know me, you may remember me from uh, videos I've recorded of previous sermons uh, here for Staines. Uh, My name is uh, Liam McGuire. Uh, I'm the families worker and one of the elders uh, down at Ashford Congregational Church. Uh, It's fantastic to be with you this morning. A real privilege uh, to be uh, opening God's Word, the Bible uh, and sharing it with you. Uh, As we go through the message this morning. Uh, if you have any questions um, or you want anything clarified, if you're on Zoom, um, I'll hang around at the end of the service. Feel free to ask me a question. Uh, if you're there in the congregation, uh, feel free just to drop me an email. Uh, my email is liam at uh, liam at uh, and I will happily uh, try to answer Uh, your question for you. Uh, Let me pray and then we will jump into this fantastic passage. Almighty God, we thank you uh, for the Bible, which is your written word, Uh, written down for us. And Lord, I pray that as uh, we look at it a bit more closely uh, this morning, that you would be at work through it by your Holy Spirit, that you would be at work uh, in the lives of your people, uh, shaping them, transforming them, conforming them to the image of Jesus. Uh, And for any who may be listening in this morning who do not yet uh, know the Lord Jesus as their Saviour, I pray that you would be drawing them to him uh, and that they would put their trust in him today be uh, with me uh, help me to uh, share what you have laid upon my heart uh, and may we all uh, listen intently for your voice in Jesus name amen okay well um, as a parent you have a natural desire to want to protect uh, your children Um, and sometimes but there are sometimes there are circumstances where you can't always protect them sure sometimes you can uh, if your child is uh quite young and there you see them running towards a busy road uh, your natural instinct is that you're going to run over to them uh, and whether they want to or not you're going to grab grab them you're going to drag them back to safety kicking and screaming you're not going to stand there and go well you know they need to learn that roads are dangerous sometimes don't they In the same way, um, sometimes you can't avoid your children uh, from the challenges that life throws at them. Uh, Sometimes all that you can do is equip them with the skills that they need and hope that that is enough. Like the first day of school, for example. You don't know what it's going to be like when they walk across the playground uh, that very first day in reception. All you can do is hope that you have prepared them with everything that they need to face the challenges that school will throw at them. Uh, And our Heavenly Father knows this uh, better than we do. Uh, Sometimes in life, he keeps us safe from the storms, uh, doesn't he? Sometimes he protects us from them. Sometimes he keeps us safe through the storms of life uh, by providing for us everything uh, that we need to get through that challenge. In the final passage in our Ephesian series this morning, we're going to see uh, we are a people at war. Uh, we're at war with a terrible enemy who's going to throw everything he has at frustrating God's plans and derailing God's people's faith. However, Paul's going to show us that God has made immeasurable power available to us so that we can endure this conflict, so that we can defend ourselves, and even so that we can fight back. As Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 10, we're to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Uh, in fact, we're going to see that the only way we can live as God's people is to rely on God's power. The only way that we can live uh, as God's people is to rely on God's power. Uh, and as we think about this idea, some more, we're going to answer three simple questions together. Number one, who is our enemy? Verses 11 to 13. Who is our enemy? Second, how do we defend ourselves? Verses 14 to 17. How do we defend ourselves? And then thirdly, how do we fight back? Verses 17 to 20. So three questions. One, who is our enemy? Two, how do we defend ourselves? Three, how do we fight back? That's where we're going this morning so then first question who is our enemy verses 11 to 13. before we can answer this question uh, it's vital that we answer another question first we have to answer the question who isn't our enemy who are we not fighting Do you notice what Paul says right at the start of verse 11? It's so easy to miss. Take a look. He says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, our fight is not with other humans. This is so important. Paul says that our fight essentially is not with radical Islam or Richard Dawkins. It's not with the political left or the political right. It's not with our fight. is not with science or secularism or socialism. It isn't with politicians or policymakers. The fight's not with the culture, the education system or RE teachers, uh, sex education promoters or even trans rights activists. Why? Because, verse 12, our struggle is not with flesh and blood humans, but with the devil and his schemes. Now. Hear me here. I'm not saying that we should not stand up for biblical truth uh, and defend biblical virtues. Of course, we should do that. But our fight is not with the people involved in these areas. Uh, Rather, we need to see them as Paul does in Ephesians chapter two, verses one to three. People who are dead in their sins, following the ways of the world, satisfying their sinful nature and under the authority of of Satan, uh, which incidentally is exactly how Paul describes our past before we came to know the Lord Jesus. The non-Christians of this world, no matter how opposed to the gospel they might be, uh, don't deserve our contempt or our moral outrage. They deserve our love and our compassion, and they deserve our heartfelt prayers that God would one day liberate them, From their sin and give them new life in Christ, just as He did for us. So, if we're not fighting the people and the human things of this world, who is our struggle with? Um, As a boy, uh, I was quite a geeky young boy. I still am in many ways. Uh, And one of the things that I love to watch uh, was Thunderbirds, you know, with the puppets. Uh, it's looking a little bit dated now, uh, I grant you. But um, I recently discovered that they remade uh, Thunderbirds using computer graphics, uh, and my boys and I uh, spent many sort of Saturday afternoons uh, watching through the series together. And you know what? They did a really, really good job. Uh, and one thing that I really liked about it was that they kept the same villain from the original Thunderbirds series. Now, if you know anything about uh, the original Thunderbirds, you'll know that no matter what is happening, terrorist plot, uh, jewellery heist, hijacking, uh, behind it all there's an enemy stoking the fire, fanning the flames, pulling the strings, no pun intended, uh, and that enemy is the Hood. It's the Hood. He is uh, a tricky enemy uh, and the um, the Tracy team underestimate him at their peril. Similarly, Paul tells us that behind all the moral evil that's happening in our world, there is an enemy in the shadows, stoking the fire, fanning the flames, pulling the strings. And that enemy is Satan. Now, I know that in today's society, the idea of angels and demons uh, seems a bit ridiculous. And I can understand that. Uh, I'm actually a naturally sceptical person myself. I rarely take a claim at someone's word. I want to see the Bible passages. I want to understand the science. I want to read the journal articles. I want to examine the data for myself before I make a decision. A belief in supernatural evil is not something that comes naturally to me. And yet I believe it because I see the evidence for it uh, on countless pages of the Bible and I see it played out every time there's a TV news broadcast or an online breaking news bulletin, Uh, the persecution of the church, false teaching, uh, Christian marriages fading or being destroyed by adultery, Um, paedophile scandals, war, rape, murder, oppression, injustice. These things are not explained by human sinfulness alone. There is someone standing in the background, pulling the strings, stoking the fire, encouraging the chaos. God's people have an enemy. And like the herd from Thunderbirds, we underestimate Satan at our peril. This enemy, we're told in verse 12, has at his disposal an army of demonic authorities and rulers, dark powers and spiritual forces. An army that wages war against God and against his people in the heavenly realms. This uh, phrase, the heavenly realms, is an interesting one. And you might have noticed that it appears five times throughout this letter. Most interestingly of all, we find in chapter one, verse 20, that the heavenly realms is the place where Jesus rules at the father's right hand. This is important to remember, because no matter what forces Satan has at his disposal, no matter the threat he poses to God's people or what he might try and bring against us, our struggle is with a defeated enemy. His power was broken when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the death in victory and Jesus sits on the throne as sovereign ruler not satan the battle might not be uh, be over but the war has already been won so whilst we shouldn't underestimate him either yes he's powerful but as we'll see next god has made available to us the means both to defend ourselves and to fight back So question two, how do we defend ourselves? Verses 14 to 17. In August, uh, we went camping as a family for the first time, myself, my wife, Abby, uh, my son, Jonah, who's nearly seven, uh, and my youngest son, Ezra, who is nearly four. Uh, I'd been camping as a boy when I was a Cub Scout and my wife had been camping with her family when she was young, but this was the first time we went as a family. And to to be honest with you, to level with you for a moment, I was convinced that it would be a complete disaster. But actually, uh, it went really, really well. And I think in part that's because we went prepared. We had the right tent so that when there were 30 mile an hour winds, the tent didn't blow over. We had the right clothes so that when it poured down with rain on one day, uh, we could still go out and have fun. And we had the right equipment so we could cook uh, meals no matter what the weather. Uh, It seems like the battle for a successful camping trip is in being prepared, having the right tools at your disposal. When it was sunny, we had what we needed. When it was rainy, we had what we needed. The same is true for the Christian life. You have to be prepared for what might be coming your way, good and bad. And thankfully, God has done the hard work of packing for us. uh, And in him, we have everything. We need what God has made available to us. Paul calls in verses 11 and 13 the full armor of God, which will ensure we are able to stand our ground or defend ourselves against the devil's schemes and demonic forces on the day of evil. This day of evil probably refers to a final outpouring of evil on the church in the immediate lead up to Jesus return. Uh, However, given the way that Paul talks in this passage, it's also safe to assume it includes all the little days of evil that we experience just by living as a Christian life, Uh, as a Christian in, in a world that is at war. It's also important that we understand that the full armor of God is a metaphor. It's a word picture that Paul uses to help his readers understand the power God has graciously made available to us. Um, Some people talk about putting on the armor every morning and, you know, um, and that kind of thing. And lots of references to Roman soldiers. Uh, That's helpful but I don't think that's entirely the point that Paul is making here. Uh, the full armour of God, is it's a metaphor, it's a word picture. Uh, there isn't a huge amount of hidden meaning in uh, truth being described as a belt or uh, the breastplate, uh, as righteousness as a breastplate. It's, a, it's an image, a vehicle to help us understand what Paul is talking about. An illustration, if you like, a way to help us plug into God's might power so that we can defend ourselves against Satan, his cronies, and his schemes. So let's have a brief look at the things that Paul describes. The first two items that Paul introduces us to in verse 15 are the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, There's a bit of disagreement over what these might refer to. Uh, Some commentators argue that these are God-given characteristics, that God enables us to defend ourselves by making us people of truthful integrity and right action. Others say, no, 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 no. It's the truth of Jesus and the right standing we have with God in Jesus that Paul is talking about here. Personally, uh, I don't think we actually have to choose because a person who understands the truth of who Jesus is and what it means to be right with God through Jesus is the same kind of person who's going to be pursuing a character marked by trustworthiness and right living so um, together truth and righteousness enable us to stand against the devil's schemes by reminding us that satan is ultimately a liar and the father of lies instead of allowing him to make us focus on our tattered record of the past, Uh, we seek God's power to keep our eyes focused on the truth of who we are in Jesus, not forsaken, but forgiven, not dead in sin, but alive in Christ, not rejected, but right with God forever. So that's the first two parts of the armor image. The second part, the is a little trickier to understand. Paul says in verse 15, we're to have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Hmm. Here again, I think Paul has two things in mind. Firstly, that although we're soldiers, we're also messengers and must be ready to share the good news uh, that God has made a way for us, uh, a way for peace between himself and humanity. But also to understand that the gospel makes us ready for the fight uh, when the fight comes. After all, it's because of Jesus has died in our place for our sins in victory over Satan's and death that we're caught up in this battle to begin with. Yet the gospel reminds us that ultimately peace will reign. It might not rain right now and we need to be ready to fight, but it will rain one day. Jesus will return and peace will reign over a new creation forever. Number four is the shield of faith, which we're told in verse 16 enables us to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Again, Paul doesn't specifically or explicitly say what these arrows are, but it probably includes all the things that the devil uses to encourage us to doubt God's grace, which um, may include things like doubts more generally, temptations, uh, persecution, disappointment, maybe even ill health and suffering. Maybe he's even using a global pandemic to make you doubt or to encourage you to doubt God's grace. But faith keeps us looking to God with confidence, even when things look their bleakest, Uh, which is why I think uh, a better name maybe would be the shield of trust rather than the shield of faith. Trust reminds us that our power to defend ourselves is not something that we draw up from within, which I don't know about you, is just such an easy way to slip into thinking about faith. It's this mystical power that I kind of have to draw up from within myself. Uh, Rather than an attitude that I have towards Jesus. Trust, on the other hand, reminds us that the strength of faith to defend ourselves comes down from above as we daily place our hope in a strong and powerful saviour. Even the weakest faith can take hold of the strongest saviour. Finally, the helmet of salvation, verse 17. As we reflect on the salvation, which is ours through Jesus, past, present and future, uh, we're reminded just how secure in Jesus we really are. We are, after all, united with him in the heavenly realms. And it's there that we find our strongest defense against the devil and his schemes. Satan can tempt us. He can lie to us. Uh, With God's permission, he can cause hardship and suffering to come our way. Like Job, he could take away our health, our wealth or our well-being. But there is something that he can never touch, something which is totally and forever, always beyond Satan's reach. And that is our salvation in Christ. The more we reflect on Jesus' death in our place for our sins and his triumphant resurrection from the dead, The more we look to Jesus in humble dependence, the more we remember that we're saved from death and made alive in him. And there find our most powerful uh, uh, ability, a defence to take our stand, no matter what the enemy throws against us. It doesn't matter what. He does. The outcome is already decided. Victory is secure. And one day we will experience the fullness of victory as we stand alongside Christ in a new and perfect creation with new and perfect bodies, free from sin and suffering and death and the devil forever. Together, truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith and salvation form God's mighty power. Power, which enables us to confidently take our stand against the enemy, and and remember, the only way we can live as God's people in a warring world is to rely on the power that God has for us. But let's think about how we fight back. How do we fight back? Versus 17 to 20. Uh, I was about 11 or 12 uh, when I first learnt to play chess. Uh, My mum, who is a very keen chess player, decided to teach me, um, and I didn't mind that. I was quite happy to be taught. But she had quite a unique way of teaching me to play chess. Uh, She sat me down and explained the board and said, you know, this is a a rook or a castle this is a this is a knight this is a bishop this is a pawn white goes first etc etc checkmate the king all of those kinds of things Uh, and then we just played and what would happen is uh, whenever I made a mistake she would come in take the piece off the board with her bishop or her queen or whatever and just say well that was a silly thing to do and that was it never really explained to me what it was that I did wrong or what I could have done instead. As a result, I became a very, very defensive player. I was very nervous about making uh, any sort of bold moves and I would be very reactive to what the other player did. Now, uh, a good defense is not a bad thing in chess. Um, But chess is about taking the fight to the enemy. It's about applying pressure to your opponent so that they make a mistake and you can then take advantage of that mistake and checkmate their king. Uh, In chess, a strong offense is the best defense. Similarly, in the spiritual war that Christians find themselves caught up in, it's not enough to always be on the defense. God also desires that we would take the fight to the enemy. You could say that the, for the Christian life, like chess, a strong offense is also a good defense. And God has graciously put two powerful weapons at our disposal to enable us to take the fight to the enemy. The first weapon is found in verse 17, and you've probably clocked it during the reading. Uh, It's the word of God, the sword of the spirit. I loved Richard waving that sword around earlier, such a visual uh, illustration. Now, the word of God is more than just the gospel. Uh, It's God's written revelation of himself, of his salvation plan. It's the whole Bible. And it's worth taking a moment to think about why the Bible is such a powerful weapon. Think about the five things that we just looked at, truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith and salvation. There's only one place that we can find out what they are, and that's the Bible. It's the Bible where we find Jesus. It's there we find out how to be rescued, what it means to live as a Christian and what we need to counter every demonic attack and scheme. In the Bible, we find the message that um, brings new life and freedom to those still dead in their sins. And there we find the means to fight back and by God's grace, rescue captives from sin and death. But notice who the sword belongs to. It's not our sword. It's not my sword. It's not our word. No, it's the Holy Spirit's sword. It's God's word. Whenever the Bible is read, we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to work, Uh, whether it's preaching now or sitting uh, with your Bible with a cup of coffee and your favorite chair if the spirit doesn't move it's just words on a page it's just words on a page if the spirit doesn't move and apply them to people's lives which brings us neatly to the final weapon in our arsenal which is prayer Prayer is not strictly part of Paul's armour image. However, uh, if you look at verse 18, you can see that Paul begins the section on prayer with and, which clues us into the fact that what Paul is about to say flows out of what he's just been talking about, the armour, and more specifically, the spirit sword. Prayer is a powerful weapon because it allows us to tap into the very resources of heaven and ask God to powerfully and graciously act on our behalf. It's like calling in a targeted airstrike before sending in the troops. And in verses 18 to 20, Paul gives three example areas in which to make use of this spiritual weapon. First, we're to pray for ourselves and others. Paul says in verse 18, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Paul encourages us to pray on all occasions, whether we feel good or bad, a happy, sad, angry, scared, lonely, fearful or worried. Whatever we're facing, Paul's advice is simply pray. Paul's advice is to pray uh, not. Because prayer is the answer to every solution, uh, the solution to every problem. But because of who we're praying to, I think about it. If I break my leg uh, this afternoon, uh, of course I'm going to pray to God for healing. um, But I'm also going to see a medical expert. Seeing a medical expert doesn't in any way invalidate my prayer. Similarly, a person suffering from clinical depression or anxiety prayer is a great place to start, but they should also seek out uh, a mental health expert too. The two things are not mutually exclusive. The reason I think that Paul tells us to pray at all times uh, is not because prayer is a silver bullet for all of life's problems, um, but because God loves us, his children, he delights to hear our prayers and he delights to act on our behalf. He wants us to pray to him in all kinds of ways, with prayer and praise and thanksgiving, requests and confession, please for help and outpourings of our heart. He wants us to bring him whatever is on our minds at that moment, be it our circumstances or our loved ones or our friends or the global situation. The Lord of the universe wants to hear from you. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Remember, when we pray, God never taps his fingers on the desk. He never rolls his eyes. He never sighs, You know, glances at his watch and wonders when you're going to finish. He listens with compassion and then he acts on our behalf. Prayer is a powerful weapon against the devil's schemes because we have the ear of the all-powerful creator and ruler of the universe who never tires of listening to us. A king who has promised to provide exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. Second, pray for God's people. Verse 18 again, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. We live uh, in a radically individualistic world, uh, which means it's easy to make Christianity all about me and my personal relationship with the with the Lord, and expressing who I am uh, on the inside. But notice when Paul describes God's mighty power as a suit of armour, he models it on soldiers in the Roman army. He doesn't model it on Rambo, or James Bond, or Captain America, because the truth is there are no lone rangers. There's no secret agents. There's no super soldiers in the kingdom of God. We are all in this together. As 1 Peter uh, 5 verse 9 reminds us, resist the devil standing firm in your faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering as you are. So let's keep God's people on our prayer agenda. Let's pour out our hearts for one another, whether... um, Christians here in the church or around the world if your church has a weekly prayer meeting please attend it um, even if it's on zoom it's such an easy way to be praying for each other and to encourage one another finally pray that people would trust in Jesus Paul says in verse 20 pray for me that I may declare the gospel fearlessly as I should now Obviously, we can't still pray for Paul. Uh, he's not sitting in a Roman prison. He's with his Lord and Saviour. But we can still pray for the thing that lies behind his request, uh, that people would trust in Jesus and the kingdom would advance. Um, Paul's already said that we need to always be uh, ready because the gospel uh of peace we come to know. But sharing the gospel fearlessly is difficult because it's something that needs prayer. Because at the end of the day, it's when the spirit of God works through the gospel of God in response to the prayers of God's people, that's when the fight is really taken to the enemy. After all, it's only it's only as people trust in Jesus that the kingdom of darkness is pushed back and the kingdom of God advances. One heart, one life, one person at a time. The Bible and prayer are two spiritual superweapons that God has put at our disposal, which together with truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, and salvation make up God's mighty power, power enabling us to live and thrive as God's people in a warring world. What more could we ask for? What more could we need? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are gracious and compassionate towards your people. Lord, I thank you that you haven't left us to muddle through this life on our own, but you have made available to us your mighty power. Lord, we confess today uh, we need it. I need it. We are people who uh, are easily disrupted, easily uh, confused, easily um, uh, misdirected. Lord, we know that the devil has schemes and we know that he lies and he leads your people astray. Father, I pray that you would help us lie on that mighty power that you have made available to us, that we may take our stand against the devil and that having done everything else, that we would stand. Lord, may that power be at work among your people today. And may you bring us safely into that new creation that you promised for us in Jesus name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for letting me be with you this morning. Uh, And as I said, if you're on Zoom, I'll be around afterwards if you have any questions or feel free to drop me an email, liam at aboutacc.com.